Hey, this is Fatima C. Oliver, author of The Prescription is in the Dirt, transformational speaker and consultant. You're listening to Cut to the Chase podcast. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 113, entitled Going Against Family Code. Yes, I know people are going, well, Greg, this is, uh, this is probably a, a, a topic that we really should avoid, but I'm here to tell you this is a topic that needs to be had. Sometimes in life, We face these adversities, and they're not necessarily external adversities. They're internal adversities, and these things happen right inside of our own household with our mom, with our dad, with our cousins, with our siblings, and every now and then you have to go against your family code. And so what I'm going to open up with today is a quote that I found, which basically states, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of what other people think. Don't let their noise and other opinions drown out your inner voice and your heart and your intuition, because somehow they already know truly what they want you to become, and everything else is secondary. Now, for those of us in our heart of hearts that tend to listen to our family and not listen to our inner soul and our inner fulfillment for what we desire to do, this is a podcast for you. And so today, our featured guest, she is a wife, she's a mother, she's an author, She's a transformational speaker, as well as an extreme lover of chocolate. I had to throw that in there. (laughs) Along with all of the acceptance of her hips, she has learned how to run a half marathon for the first time in a pandemic in a pandemic while doing, you know, which, which is absolutely torture. I mean, as if anybody can think about running a half marathon is is torture, which is something, of course, as I'm going through this introduction, I'm going to segue just a little bit, which is something that I've done many, many times. And, and it is torture. You, you've got to train properly. She has embraced her life around self-discovery and accepting challenges, which were brought about through insecurity, anxiety, and depression from her childhood trauma, heartbreak, and physical abuse. These results were brought by by a tremendous breakthrough in her life, which helped her cultivate some baby actionable steps, which she shares to empower others through her own soul healing journey. And in her new book, which is entitled, The Prescription is in the Dirt, which can be found on pretty much, I think, all platforms. And so without further ado, I would like to introduce Miss Fatima C. Oliver. How are you doing today? How's it going over there? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. I was so wrapped up into your introduction, I forgot I had to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's not good. That's not good. Thank you so much for having me on, Gregory. Um, I I really agree that this is one of those ouch moments um, in podcast land, but it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had because let's face it, our our family is the foundation of who we are. And um, we we pick up implicit, explicit um, behaviors that, I mean, we truly, they're just natural, they're fluid. And it's because of how we were raised or even what we saw maybe wasn't, it wasn't spoken to us, but it was the behavior that was, that was shown around us. And so it's just one of those things that we, we naturally pick up the way that we communicate with people. 
And um, I don't think we ever really stop, not often, and say, why do I do that? Where did that come from? You know, mm-hmm. um, we just go mm-hmm. throughout, our, out, throughout our life just being who we are, whether that's good, bad, ugly. And sometimes um, it, it's a detriment to others. And, and we have so much ability to change. But in order to truly change the trajectory of the path that we are going down, there comes a time where we have to look at those things. Why? Those whys. Why do I do this? Where did this come from? And that can become very uncomfortable. Right. Right. Yes, I I, I totally agree um, with you. Um, I look back on a lot of things in my prior life and 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 realize that some of those things were not the best decisions uh, that I chose. And, uh, you know, you always have the, like you said, the why, what if, you know, what if I would have chosen to make that decision sooner or to make that choice, uh, that conscious choice uh, earlier on in life, you know, where, where would I be? But at this point, you know, as, as, as human beings, you know, we, we can't live and relish in our regrets uh, of making these type decisions, we have to continue to press on and move forward and and take those life lessons uh, to heart and uh, and hope that we never encounter them again. Hmm. And so, Miss Oliver, with the with with the first question that I have, as 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 we've kind of alluded to, kind of jumping into you know not living with regrets, and particularly as it relates to our inner soul and fulfillment and going against family code, let's talk a little bit about you know, kind of what you've shared throughout your transformational speaking, as well as through your book. Now, as I understand it, you were the only girl that grew up in a household with five brothers. <laughs> what what was that like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is one of those things where it was my normal, right? So that that's just, <laughs> it was just my normal, just having brothers around me with with no sisters i i think that the end result as i've grown up is truly adopting sisters everywhere i have went if i like you if we have a good 15 minute conversation i'm going ahead and i'm going to say okay you're my sister <laughs> you're my sister right. because um i just longed for that that connection and i didn't even know what that connection looked like i just knew that I wanted somebody that that felt like I felt or had emotions like I had emotions and wanted to dress up and all that type of stuff. And growing up in a in a home with boys, it's just so different. You know how they say, what is it? Guys are from uh, what? Women are from Venus. Guys are from Mars, or however way that saying goes. It really right, is. Right. It really is that way. I mean, emotionally wise, there was no time for emotions. There was no time for feelings. And I think a part of that had to do with just a, a guy being a guy or, or a boy being a boy, but also it had to do with, unfortunately, just the toughness of how um, I was raised in regards to having, uh, you know, my mom taking care of all of us. She didn't have time for all the crying. She didn't have time for that. She was trying to survive. And so in her focus of trying to survive day in and day out, she just didn't have time for 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 any emotional um, feelings that I, that I had at that at, at any given moment. But my brothers, they were just like, ha, 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 we want to make her cry today. What can we do to make her cry? <laughs> you know, boys are boys. Mm-hmm. And so they were just being who they were. It's just, um, unfortunately, I wish that um, we would have had those moments to be able to stop, decompress, and acknowledge the different situations that were happening with us and how it made us individually feel because we didn't learn how to express our emotions in a healthy way. And I truly did not learn that it was okay to even feel until I was in mm-hmm. therapy. And and that was just about two, two years ago when I was in therapy on the couch and she literally said, Fatima, it's okay to feel. My entire life I had went, um, I had gone with the mindset of if I show sadness, then I'm weak. If I show any type mm-hmm. of disappointment, then I'm weak because growing up, it was if you cried, you were weak. And it, it was back in that era where I'm just going to say it. You know, you would hear people saying, boys, if you cry, uh, you know, I'm just going to be blunt. You're a sissy 
or you're weak, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was Mm -hmm. teaching boys that you can't be like that. You can't cry. And I grew up like them. The rules didn't change because I was a girl. I just fell into the mold. It was like majority one. And so Mm -hmm. that's how I, that's how I grew up. And that's how I went through my youth. And that's how I went through my relationships in my twenties and into my thirties. And I'm married and, and being disconnected from my emotions, but they're still there. So at one uh, if, if somebody says the wrong thing at any, any given moment after all that suppression of emotion that I'm feeling like I'm weak for, for feeling, they would just erupt. And then it's like, what the heck is wrong with her? Like, where did all that emotion come from? But it's because I had been suppressing it for so long because I didn't want to feel weak or I didn't want to look weak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I find that... <clears throat> And I, you know, a lot of people go, Greg, you, you really, you know, take us to the edge in some of these discussions. I really found that in some of my own personal research, very much like you, soul searching and figuring out, you know, why I suppressed and why, you know, I was kind of taught in some circumstances to really toughen up, you know, and, and really kind of, uh, you know, be the force that you needed to be versus being the soft guy that you needed to be and, and really have more of a, of a balance in life. And what I found in some of my research is that we find that in the, in the black community that, you know, based on the oppression, based on, you know, the years and years of things that people have kind of carried down, these traditions have always been a very much an underlining circumstance as to why, you know, things that are still going on today that we're starting to have this epiphany about mm-hmm. and realizing that it is okay to 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 need that, you know, shoulder to cry on. It's okay to to, uh, you know, share your emotions, you know, publicly, um, you know, it, it, with it being suppressed for so many years, I think we're all discovering something that, uh, we were never taught, uh, we were never educated on, and we, we, we certainly were never put into a position to where we would feel comfortable letting those things out. And it just, like you said, it just buried inside of your soul, and eventually, you know, as as in your case, as in well, in my case, when it erupts, it is something that is so uncontrollable. It's almost like an out of mind, out of body experience. And uh, my situation, um, as I've shared with a lot of our listeners before, my situation uh, was at the breaking point where literally I lost everything. And when I lost everything, I mean, I lost everything. I mean, and and it. And it ripped me to the core, and it was always about trying to stand up and and be mentally tough. And I'm saying to myself, "Well, what do I have to stand up and be mentally tough for when I don't have when I don't have a even have a roof over my head? I don't have anything, you know." And uh, you know, at that moment in time, that's when you do the real, true soul searching to to really say, "I've got to get out of some of the some of the." things that were taught by family, not to say that I don't love them, but some of the things that I was taught by family and be able to really heal the inner person inside of me and be fulfilled in my journey and my course and direction that was going to provide me overall with that happiness. Because it's, it's like, uh, and I guess, I guess a lot of people may don't realize it, realize this. And I, and I find it rather intriguing because of some of the things that I've heard in some of the foreign countries as to how they are represented in the black community. Mm-hmm. And I just learned this recently and I'll be very brief. And so one of the things that, you know, um, you know, I found out through interviewing someone from, from Palestine is that, you know, with their religion and their their cultural uh, knack for how you stay inside the family circle, you never do anything to to disrupt the family circle. You don't go against the laws. You don't go against the, the internal family rules or you will be killed, you know. And even though that may not have been the case in the black community growing up in the 60s and the 40s and the 50s and the 70s, even though that may not have been the case in the black community as far as someone being killed, but you surely felt like that if your dad or mom or someone said, you know, you better do this, you better do that. Don't go against me, you know, little girl, don't go against me, boy. 
you know, and all these different things, it left the fear of God in you. You literally thought you were going to be killed if you did something terribly wrong. I mean, you are not allowed to make mistakes. You are not allowed to to have that conscientious choice to say, well, I don't want to follow in that path. I want to do this path instead. And they'll be like, boy, what did I tell you? You're going to go and you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And and I'm sure you can relate, you know, I'll, and I'll and I'll pause right there and let you let you chime in. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I I had journaled that 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 is so that is so true, and I wasn't gonna go there, but you went there, so we talking about the black community. <laughs> We're gonna talk about it, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I mean, I I think that is just so profound what you said for for me. Well, well, truly, it's not just me, but um, I had never been raised with on the platform where I could truly speak what was on my heart. So if mm-hmm. I was angry, I had to suppress that unless it was um, angry towards somebody outside of the home. But if I was angry with someone inside the home, if I didn't agree with something that had occurred, if it wasn't being told the correct way, that's not really how it happened. If I was sad, um, if I was disappointed, I I didn't have that platform where I can say, these are my feelings. This is how I'm feeling. And then be able to have a discussion. It wasn't that way. It was do as I say, not as I do. And so, Mm -hmm. or like you said, you knew that you were going to be six feet under. You didn't know exactly when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, but you knew your parents were going to have something to do with it and nobody was Mm going to come looking for you. Um, And unfortunately that carried me that, um, that feeling of intimidation, it it carried, or even I would even go through the lines of saying, going going to the lens of saying that that feeling of fear towards um, my parents, it was so strong, it carried me throughout my life. And so as a as an adult, or let me back up. So when I'm in a situation as a child, and I've been sexually abused, and I have to, I feel like I have to tell my my mom the first thing I felt was fear that it was going to be an eruption on her end as far as like how it would be in any other situation, because that's all I knew. Uh, All I knew is I would say something that was not in line. And if it wasn't in line with what she expected, then she would be angry. And again, you know, we can Mm -hmm. go back to generational and why that was the case. She was frustrated. She was a single mom, all of that. We can say all of that. But at the end of the day, as a child, my experience was if she gets angry, this is what's going to happen and it's not going to be good towards me. So then when I'm having to have that tough conversation, I'm putting it off, a critical conversation, I'm putting it off because I'm afraid of what the response is going to be. Not that it's going to be at my favor. There's a perpetrator in my home, but I'm afraid to speak on it because of of historically what happens when my mom is angry. And that's just sad. And then growing up as a, now I'm 40, in my 40s, I won't say what what age, Gregory, but I'm in my my 40s and I'm in that healing space, that soul healing space where I'm really looking at my life and I feel like God is taking me on this journey to really reassess my behavior and reassess how, how I've come to be who I am and just looking straight on at the horribleness, my horrible decisions that I made. But then some things that were done to me that was not right and how things were handled was not right. And now I'm in that same spot where I have to have those that difficult conversation with my mom and ask that question that you said earlier that we were not allowed to ask and that was why why was this mm-hmm. allowed to happen why was it treated the way that it was treated after it was ex- it was exposed why did these things occur i'm in that space where i have to stand up for myself and have that conversation and i'm petrified like i was 11 all, all over again i am four in my 40s i have four kids i am a, a wife i have this quote unquote stature, yet I feel like I shrink to an 11 year old child when I'm speaking to my mom about something that happened to me. And it was because of that lineage, that umbrella of fear that had hovered over Mm -hmm. our relationship. And so it wasn't a matter of honor. It wasn't a matter of feeling free. It was a matter of feeling fear. And that is such a horrible way to be when you're in a relationship with family and and in that in that moment in that season of my life 
I had to make a decision to be unpopular with my family and for the first time stand up for me and not stand up for the dysfunction that I had seen um, in my home. Yeah, yeah. You know, you brought up you brought up some some very insightful points and there's there's two words that you stated which uh which was basically in line and the phrase typically goes get in line you better get yourself in line and so that brings up something where you know you're going to be like oh my god he's he's getting ready to take us over the deep end but i want to read something to you i want to read something to you and 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 help it resonate not only in our conversation but in the conversation that we're having right now with our listeners and so that quote goes like this it says life has taught me that you can't control someone's loyalty no matter how good you are to them doesn't mean that they will treat you the same. No matter how much they mean to you, it doesn't mean that they will value you the same. Sometimes the people you love the most turn out to be the people you can trust the least. Mm. Now I read that because as you stated, as an 11 year old girl going through the physical abuse that you went through and not being able to consult with your mom, with your mom, I'm, I'm listening to that. And I know my listeners are listening to that. And, and that just rips your heart out to be 11 years old and not having a sense of compassion or empathy or trust where you have the ability to talk to your mom. I mean, that shakes you to the core in hearing that. And I know it's happened, you know, not only to, to us, but you know, there's other people out there that are listening to this podcast you know, I want people to really understand when we talk about going against family code, it started at such a young adolescent point in your life that your fulfillment, your dignity, who you are as an individual, your your emotional, your physical, your your psyche, every every aspect of who you are as a human being gets shaken up like some type of bomb just just got dropped on you and you live with that you live with that until you're able to come to some type of reconciliation to figure out that hey i've really got to pull myself back onto you know the road or to the horse or as as a good friend of mine says check back in the life and be a part of it you know i mean that is powerful I mean, that 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 that's those are things nowadays that, you know, as as us now being parents, we always say, and I know I say this to my kids. I always am trying to put you in a better light. You know, I don't never say get you in line. I always say I'm, I'm always trying to put you into a better light because, you know, not to say that my life was 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 bad. I mean, there's definitely things that I could have learned and done better. Um, you know, but my parents did a, did a phenomenal job of raising, which I consider to be uh, a fine young man, you know, and, and, and doing the things that I'm doing right now to cast out my voice in, into society and into the world. And, and I'm sure your parents did the best that they could do at the time, you know, with the means and everything that they had and, and provided, you know, you to be the wholesome woman, you know, transformation speaker, author, mom, you know, that, that you can be. But what we're talking about, people, is that we're carrying around baggage because psyche in our psyche, we can't we can't decouple. We can't uh, 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 break the link of things that were genetically programmed into us, which tells us that, hey, this is the way it has to be done or you can't do it any other way. You know, we don't want you to to go through that. And it all starts with the inner person, that emotion inside, 
that we have to console with, we have to heal with, and we've got to try and move those pretenses off the table so that we can live on with our lives. I'm going to stop right there, but uh, I know I went off the no. deep end and I apologize. No, no, I think you're right on it because one of the things that I wanted to hit on was for sure, and I, and I, I said it, I, I, I tapped on it a little bit as far as it was a single family household, right? There was a lot of undercurrent of frustration trying to take care of all these kids by yourself. And a lot of times we find ourselves in that situation, but it doesn't have to be just a single parent. It could be, uh, you know, just a family just trying to make it. They're having their own relational situations mm -hmm. and, <clears throat> excuse me, and sometimes it deflects on the children. But I know for me, speaking for me and what I picked up as um, someone who wound up being a single parent, didn't see it coming, and I was a single parent and my older son, I had to go back later on in life and and ask for forgiveness because there were some ways that I was that I didn't I didn't understand the frustration until I lived it as being a single parent with no help and doing your best to not mm -hmm. rely on the system because you don't want to be looked at as a welfare mom or something like that right so you're doing your best mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. make it without the system and trying to not be the quote unquote, you know, the stereotype, but the frustration of my child, just being a child, I have four boys, by the way, God is funny that way. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with boys and I had mm -hmm. boys, but, <laughs> um, but with my, with my, with my older one, he was the one, it, two of them that really felt the brunt of me being a single parent. But in that space, I was always frustrated in that space. I would go to sleep frustrated. I would wake up frustrated, trying to figure out how I'm going to pay the bills, how I'm going to get them to daycare and how I'm going to get to work on time and all this other stuff. But when it came to them just being children, just doing knucklehead stuff that kids would do, I would get so angry. And it wasn't because they were doing kids stuff. It was because I'm going to say it. I was feeling like, don't you see my sacrifices? Don't you understand mm -hmm. how much I'm giving for you? Don't you understand how much I'm mm -hmm. working to get you the opportunities that you're getting or to pay this babysitter to watch you and so you can be in a safe place? Why don't you understand that? And it was it was like I was so, so when I would discipline them, I would discipline them from that angry space of why don't you see the value in what I'm doing for you? And they were like, I just got mm -hmm. one cookie out the jar. <laughs> it's like it was just a cookie. Right. But, I had to check myself and say, real talk, mm -hmm. it wasn't his fault or it wasn't their fault that my man left me. It wasn't their fault that my mm -hmm. credit was shot and that I had to pay double deposits just to find a place. It wasn't their fault mm -hmm. that I didn't have enough money for Easter clothes or, or that um, I didn't prepare enough as an adult. That, that wasn't the kid's fault. But somehow mm -hmm. we as a community or as a generation, I'll even say, because it just it don't just happen in the black community, but we as um frustrated parents sometimes put that expectation of a child understanding our sacrifices, number one. And then number two, telling them when they get older, they better pay it back somehow. And so as an adult, mm -hmm. we walk in this space of being trapped by codependency, that whatever the parent mm -hmm. says, no matter how I'm trying to live my life as an independent, um, productive member of society, whenever I get back around my parents, I feel like I have to shrink up and do whatever they want me to do because I owe them still. Somehow I owe them. And mm -hmm. it's something that we mm -hmm. live with for the rest of our lives. But real talk, we can never repay. And so we should not put on That's our right. children because it just grows into them being adults, but they're still children. We should never put on our children the expectancy of somehow them paying us back for all the sacrifices that we did. If they didn't ask to be here, we chose to bring them here. So it's like putting that expectation of one day, you're gonna repay me for all the sacrifices I made for you. When I went for me, when when I was sexually abused and my my stepfather went to jail and the sacrifice of standing standing on my standing with me instead of ignoring the situation. Somehow I was put in this position of I have to repay that. That's something I could never repay. So my entire life I spent trying to accommodate my mother's whatever. 
whatever it was, whatever the it was, I spent 44 of my years, or I should say 34 of my years trying to fix it, trying to prepare, trying to make up. And it may not be somebody, it may not be a situation where somebody has something so egregious like that that has happened, but it could just be regular life. And you have this expectancy in your head of how your child is going to pay you back. Boy, when you become an NBA player, you better buy me a house and a car. Just that whole thing. It's just so crazy to me. The child, I don't think we should have to manipulate our children to see, to get, to feel love. If we, if we, if we raise them in the right way, if we show them honor, if we show them respect, if we show them how to apologize by apologizing when we do wrong to them, if we give them those foundational pieces in their life, they will want to pay it back. They will want to do for us. We won't, we won't have to ask for it. We won't have to manipulate it. They will want to, they will want to honor their parents. And so that's definitely what I try that's the shift that I'm trying to make with my children to break those generational negative habits or break those chains in my generation is to choose different, choose to raise different because I don't want them to be in the position where that I was where when I needed to stand up for myself at 11 and when I needed to stand up for myself at 44, that I shrunk into this fetus almost of feeling like um, what I was saying, even though it was right, what I was saying was so wrong and feeling like I was choosing myself over my family. Nobody should have to be in that position. But if we continue to raise our children in this way, as a child and as an adult, they will be in that position. Wow. Man, uh, only thing I can say is preach on, <laughs> sister, because you hit so many points, so, so many points. You know, when you talk about manipulating, you know, our kids and and, you know, what we see in, in some of the communities today, uh, we do see that happening. You know, we see that a lot because, you know, there's so much pressure on children to to reach towards the, the next brass ring, which is which is obviously higher than where their parents have uh, have achieved in life. You know, whether that becomes uh actor, doctor, lawyer, you know, basketball player, whatever the case may be, you see that. You see a lot of that going on. And it's it, it is and it's really based on like you said, you know, kind of that ma- manipulative materialistic mindset that really never really gets you anywhere in life. And I'm going to share just a quick story with with not only you but our to our listeners. You know, at one point in my life I realized that as well as 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 being a parent, you know, carrying this this anger that I had with my father because my father, you know, up until he passed away, I really didn't feel that I knew him completely and that I was always just like you would ball up kind of, you know, somewhat in a fetus when I would be around him and it would always be completely respectful and but I would never really give my strong firm opinion if I agree, you know, if I disagreed with something. And so when he passed away, I realized at that point in my in my life, you know, some 30 years that, you know, my father was a wholesome guy. He did all the things that he could do within within his within his power. But I found out how much of a great person he was when he was on his deathbed and all of the people that came in and they praised him for going above and beyond and all the great things. These were stories that I never heard. There were the emotional uh, support that I needed to hear from him that I really never heard, you know, as to answering the question why. And so when he passed away, you know, it's like that burden was lifted me. You know, I didn't want to carry that resentment anymore. You know, I didn't want to feel like I was being manipulated anymore, you know, in life. And and when I let that go, you know, I found that it's like I, I didn't even recognize myself almost. I mean, it was like, you know, I had been living in this 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 zealous of this uh, you know, why, 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 why? And 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 I was never able to to really kind of sit down and have that man-to-man conversation and ask him why. And it was far too late to be asking him that question on his deathbed, right. you know? 
but you know, prior to him passing and, 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 and looking at me and telling me how proud of me he was and all the things that I did, you know, with going off and, and, and obviously trend setting in different um, industries and, and living all over the world and, 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 and being successful, you know, that also shook me to the core because it was like, I never had gotten any acknowledgement from him out of all the years of, of running my own business. And when he did it at that moment in time, it, it, like I said, it just lifted so much of that resentment off my shoulders and that burden off my shoulders that I was able to be free, you know, and playing it forward with my own kids you know, yes, I, I, you know, as any father, you raise two, two daughters, you know, you want to make sure that they understand, you know, even at a young age, that uh, there has to be integrity, honesty, and respect and compassion and love and so forth and so on. But it wasn't really until they got into, hey, dad, I need a car. Hey, dad, I need you to pay for my tuition. Uh, dad, I'm getting ready to go to college. Dad, I need you to do this. And I'm thinking like, time out, ghostwriter, <laughs> you know, uh, we really need to sit down and have a father-daughter talk. And, you know, some of this responsibility that you're trying to weigh in on my shoulders doesn't come without hard work because I can't just put myself in a position where I'm stressed, 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 trying to figure out how to pay for this, that, and the other, which, you know, I did my part as a father, but at some point you got to stand on your own two feet. And I gave them the old cliche story, you know, when I was your age, and and, 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 and and it's not like, you know, you try to manipulate them, but it's like you have to basically put it in the context. When I was your age, you know, or even before your age, hey, I was cutting grass, washing cars, you know, sweeping the floor, doing dishes, what whatever it took to put a little bit of, you know, dollars in my pocket. And, you know, sometimes I think as we talk about what you mentioned, which is, you know, um, how we raise our kids some of those old fashioned teachings, not to say that they're manipulating, but some of those old fashioned teachings still need to be um, uh, demonstrated and provided in today's society. Because I think what we've, what we're ending up with right now is that we're finding that a lot of our children automatically perceive that they're going to go against the family code regardless because there's just that stability and that foundation is not there they have so much access to you know social media and all these other things they see other people doing it and they say to themselves well why can't i do this i don't have to rely on my parents i can just go do it on my own and so the whole dynamic is changed quite a bit as opposed to us trying to heal and us trying to teach, guide, coach, and mentor as being parents, you know, we're really caught in a tranche as we talk about going against family code that really represents a, a, a significant turning point in all of our lives, but also probably one of the most difficult ones that I would consider as, 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 uh, as post as post-slavery. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, that was, that was a turning point in itself. And, you know, we've got all of those same things staring at us in the face today, except it happens a hundred times faster. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. And I, I, I tell my children, I say, be, you know, pick the good stuff about me, <laughs> pick the good stuff about me mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that you want to emulate and um, that you want to take with you. Right. I think ultimately it comes down to what type of legacy do you want to leave behind? What type of um, do you want your legacy to be upright or do you want it to be that you were, you know, that you chose to just like, like you said earlier, fall in line and whatever we mm -hmm. decide, it impacts our children. And so there are definitely some mm -hmm. things that I feel like I'm an old school mama. For sure. I'm an old school mm -hmm. mom. Um, I definitely believe right. in holding, you earn and deserve in my home. I mean, flat out, you, you, you earn and deserve. So um, in one way or another, you have to earn it, whether it's through your grades, um, uh, you know, be behavior that is it, supposed, you know, it's supposed to be a certain way in my home, the expectations regarding that and how you treat people. So I, I think that those, those um, foundational um, ethical, moral 
principles that we may have learned from our family, we should keep those, right? Keep the good things. Don't mm -hmm. just throw everything mm -hmm. out and then start from scratch when you have had a wonderful template. Keep the template and then just right. build unto it. Right. Those other things that make you scratch your head when you're at the family reunion or even at the funeral or at the wedding and you're like, or at Thanksgiving dinner, just things that happen or you know it's going to happen so you try to not go. Those things, throw those out because clearly if you can't stand them, why would you want to send that? Why would you want to leave that generational curse or negative behavior for your children to pick up? And so I think it's definitely critical to be able to, as a parent, decipher between what is healthy and what is not. And sometimes that takes research on our, on our end. And sometimes it takes apologizing and admitting that you screwed up in some areas. Like I said, for me, I had to go back not everything that I had to apologize for. My son was a knucklehead, okay? But there were things that I truly had to go back and say, I I didn't know any better. You know, I, I was, and I'm not trying to excuse it, but this was where my mind space, this is where my mentality was at in this moment of my life. And unfortunately, you got the brunt of it. Unfortunately, there were some things, my behavior as far as how I dealt with anger, throwing chairs and and just, you know, just putting the fear of not God, the fear of Fatima <laughs> in him and um, mm -hmm. just unnecessarily, mm -hmm. you know, and I had to go back and and ask for forgiveness on those things. And I think it's critical to be able to apologize to your children when you know you have screwed up because it teaches them how to apologize when they've screwed up. And don't say, I don't remember that if they bring it to your attention or I don't remember that. So that all of a sudden means it didn't happen. No, and you know, if I feel like if we can look at strangers or coworkers or friends or even our spouse and love them enough to be able to admit our wrong, how much more should we be able to do that for our children? <laughs> so it's like, that's you. And I really right. think that that's a critical piece. But in all of that, I say all of that to say it's twofold. We all hold a responsibility. So just like I have children, I hold a responsibility to nurture them and to guide them and to instruct them, to show them discipline, to give them a, a sacred foundation um, spiritually, to guide them, do the best that I know how to do with what I have. And then from there, for me, mm -hmm. I allow my faith to take root. Um, and I but then on the other side, as a child, I have to have a space where I, I learn, I, I be open to learning um, or to looking at my parents at not, and not, as not just mother and father, but looking at them as woman and man, looking, them, looking at them as human beings and saying at some level in my life, I need to be able to look at them and say, they were just a woman. She was just a woman like I was a woman. Or he's just a man, you know, like my mm -hmm. husband's a man. And there are certain feelings and there are certain things that you do that, that are just screwed up. Or you can look back and say, shoot, their life was pretty screwed up. How they grew up was pretty screwed up. When you're able to look at them, not just as a title, but look at them as a human being, it opens up the door for understanding, which ultimately opens up the door for healing and forgiveness to happen. But as long as you put a title on somebody and speak to them based on that title, there will always be a really, 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 really tight, narrow space for healing to occur. You need to widen up that, that, that hallway for healing and understanding to flow two-way. And so we all hold a responsibility as a child and as a parent to make sure that when we know better, we do better, as Maya Angelou eloquently said, when we know better, we do better, mm -hmm. and that we truly put it into action humble ourselves on both ends as a parent and as a child, humble ourselves, humility, help begins with humility, humble ourselves to see the other person's way, just as a, just as a woman, as a man. And then from there, we're able to say, well, shoot, that is kind of screwed up. I don't want to do my kids like that or say, wow, I didn't realize, but yeah, if that was me. And I went through what they went through when they were growing up. I probably will be making these type of crazy decisions. Okay. In that I can show compassion. I still don't like the decision but I can show compassion and so um, and understanding and being able to say, I know where that bad habit comes from, but I'm just going to choose different. I just think that it's so critical in order to have a relationship, a true healthy relationship. We have to give way to forgiveness on both ends 
And, um, you, you know, I, I know for me and my walk, I have not been able to have that opportunity. I had to make a choice. Like I said, we spoke about a lot about my sexual abuse and the, the situation and, and some of the things that happened around that. I kind of hinted to some stuff. You got to read the book for the rest. But <laughs> but, um, but um, <laughs> in that, I, I did have that difficult conversation with my mother and I was able to, I'm thankful to be able to see her as a woman, not just as my mother at, um, and be able to see that everybody is broken in certain places in their life. And not everybody is ready to face their brokenness. I was ready to face my brokenness. She may not be ready to face her brokenness. And so then I wait and I pray and I ask God to take root in all of that. And um, and I still work on myself regarding forgiveness and, and more understanding and all of that. So when the opportunity comes that I'm able to... Uh, be, you know, have my arms open and be able to start fresh with my mother. But I would pray that your listeners would learn from from the, the things that I've had to endure. And if you're not in that space where you have to go down that route, then just save yourself a trip and 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 learn to to have an honest conversation with your parents and learn to look at them from a different space, maybe a different angle, learn to open up to open up that hallway so there can be some root of um, understanding and forgiveness can take place. I, I would just hope that your listeners would, 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 would learn from the things that I've had to go through and allow that opportunity to happen in their own lives. Wow. Wow. Well, you left us with uh, <clears throat> so much wisdom there and, and guidance that uh, I commend you for, for sharing. Uh, all of that with us. And uh, it's a true testimonial, uh, or excuse me, true testament to to what you've gained throughout your triumph and your successes and failure and how they've empowered you to be, you know, a strong, nurturing, you know, mom, motivated speaker, conversationalist, you know, all those wonderful things that we know of you today. And we certainly, certainly appreciate your time and your energy and your willingness to be vulnerable with us on our program today. And so we're almost out of time. <laughs> it <laughs> so, went by fast. <laughs> it went by, it went by really fast. I, I, uh, I love having these type of discussions, particularly when the chemistry is good and, uh, you know, you just have an opportunity to really connect with people genuinely, you know, and, and truly hear, the root of their story. You know, you're, you're not, you're not listening above. You're not listening beyond or around you are engaged. And, uh, this was certainly a very engaging opportunity, uh, for me as well as for my listeners to, to partake in listening to your journey. And we're very thankful for that. So, wow, so thank, thank you, again. you so much for having me. It's, it's, it was an honor and I'm so glad that, that we both were were brave enough to to tackle this this sensitive conversation this sensitive topic so thank you so much absolutely absolutely and so to our listeners and to miss oliver i have one final quote i'd like to try to always end on a positive note and so the quote basically goes like this if you want to know who your family is look at the sidelines the audience the people clapping, the ones telling you how much faith they have in you. That is what family is all about. So, you know, people, going against family code doesn't always have to be a very tumultuous or bad experience because it requires us to grow. It requires us to have that empathy and that compassion that is needed for us to live a more fulfilled life. And as we've heard from Ms. Oliver and certainly all of the wisdom that she's laid out uh, before us, and of course, please, you know, for those of us uh, that are interested in reading her book, Ms. Oliver, can you share with us where your book yeah, can be found? Yeah, so the prescription is in the dirt. It's all about um, my life's journey in the different relationships that we talked about today. It is on Amazon in ebook. And um, also in paperback, you can also visit my website, FatimaC.com, and you can get it there. Okay, okay. 
And I think also you can, uh, it's available in the Kindle yep. version as well. Absolutely. Is, is that correct? So, um, the, okay. Sorry, ebook, yeah. um, Kindle version. Absolutely. And if you have a membership with Amazon, you may even be able to, um, what is it, um, borrow it and, and, and get it for free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so different ways to right. get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but do you have a second book that is uh, being uh, published and, and released? Now, you know, you, you, you know, my team was out. Kind of doing some <laughs> I'm definitely working on it. It is in the works right now. I'm just more so excited about um, the virtual events that I'm that I'm able to host coming up pretty soon. And they're going to be pretty regular called Crushing the Elephant. So it's having discussions such as this, but giving um, key action um, tips that people can take in their own home, into their own space, and really um, stop tiptoeing around in their life and make some decisive decisions to change the atmospheres in their space, in their life, in their circle. And so it's called Crushing the Elephants. You can definitely look on my website also under upcoming, upcoming events to be able to see um, when the next one is, but, and my, again, my website is FatimaC.com. I'm very excited about that. Um, it, it's, 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 it's been a long time coming. I sound like I'm stuttering, but it's been a long time coming. And I really think that um, we're about to tap into some conversations similar to this, that is so necessary to have. And, and sometime by the end of um, this year or early next year, I will be uh, moving forward with writing my second book. Nice, nice. Well, we wish you much success on all of your endeavors. And most importantly, welcome to the Cut to the Chase family. And if there's anything that we can do on our end to help you um, through your promotional activities uh, above and beyond, you know, just releasing this podcast, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to wow. us. Wow. Thank you so much. This was awesome. And thank you, family. We family now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, and to our listeners, this has been episode 113 entitled Going Against Family Code. We thank Ms. Oliver again. I'm your host, Gregory Proctor. This is Cut to the Chase. Take care, everyone, and bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.